Hello and welcome to Restoration Church's teaching podcast. We are in Prescott, Arizona. My name is Nate Huss and I'm one of the team members here. And uh, if this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad that you could tune in. Will you please take a moment just to grab your Bible and we are going to dive in together. Okay, if you've got questions, then um, continue to jot those down, okay? Uh, If you need a card, raise a hand. Somebody will get those to you, but hang on to them if you've already written your your question. Pastor Landon's going to join up with me here in a moment and uh, spend a little time in God's Word. But I I would like to recap uh, the last six weeks of trusting Jesus, because if you haven't been with us, then it's been so foundational. I, I know for me, it's been so foundational just for what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be a follower of Jesus, that I have benefited week after week from it. And at the risk of being a little bit um, childish or whatever, I, I really want us to remember these components of areas where we have learned to trust Jesus, remember the different areas, not just hear about it, learn about it, and then walk away and never be able to apply it because God is interested in us trusting him in all aspects of our life. We just covered six of them. And that's not an exhaustive list of all the different areas that we could trust Jesus, but they were important ones. In Proverbs chapter three, that kind of set the tone for us. Um, This amazing, famous set of verses, really. In Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, in a whole book, Proverbs, and in a chapter that's all about wisdom, one of the foundational keys to living wisely is trusting Jesus more than you trust yourself or more than you trust another person or more than you trust your stuff. And so we've kind of been putting to practice what it looks like to trust Jesus in this area and that area and and whatnot. And so play with me here. Um, We're going to do some stuff that help us kind of remember these six areas, okay? Week number one was trusting Jesus with our mind. Everybody point at your mind, your brain. We talked about what it looks like to trust Jesus with our thought life, our minds, We know that culture is firing like a fire hose, a tremendous amount of information. All these values, all this stuff, some of it is garbage. And we needed to develop this skill to trust Jesus with our thoughts, trust Jesus with our minds by filtering out certain things based on what God's word says. And so we learned to trust Jesus with our thoughts or with our, what's this? mind by filtering the messages that we receive through the truth of God. What lines up with God's word that I'm hearing right now? If it lines up, keep it. If it doesn't align with God and his word, then be okay with filtering it out, rejecting it altogether. So we're going to trust Jesus with our minds as we filter out based on God's word. Second week, we talked about trust Jesus with our hands. Everybody give me jazz hands, okay? We're going to trust Jesus with our hands. First week, we trust Jesus with our... Then we trust Jesus with our hands. And the hands really was the work 
of our hands. The hands represent what we put to work. Now, some of you, uh, that means in the home with kids. Some of you are empty nesters and retirees, and your work uh, is now more toward ministry or more in your neighborhood or more with your family. Others of you have an actual vocation that's consuming a tremendous amount of your time and your work of your hands is there. So what does it look like to trust Jesus with your hands, the work that he's given you? Work is a good thing. God gave us work to do and that's a good thing. Now, sin has unfortunately wrecked it like it's wrecked a lot of other things. But, but two things that we learned about trusting Jesus with our hands was that we're going to be used wherever we are at work to either cultivate or carry the name of Jesus. We're going to cultivate more of the kingdom of God. We're going to grow more and more of what he's given us in that sphere of work or influence. And then we're going to carry the name of Jesus. What's it look like to live out the name and the ethic and the, the vibe of Jesus wherever it is that we are working? Keeping in mind that that's really what, what he's, he's got for us. So we're going to trust Jesus with our... We're going to trust Jesus with our... And then we're going to trust Jesus with our heart. Put your hand over your heart. The heart was a tough one. Because it's one of those areas that uh, has tremendous sway and influence on our life. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Or above all else, guard your heart, because everything that you do flows from it. And we also learn that the heart is deceitful. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that our heart's okay when it isn't that out of the overflow of what's going on in our heart, the mouth speaks. What is in our heart is eventually going to make its way out. And what's so challenging about trusting Jesus with the heart is this is territory that really only he can work on. And so when it comes to trusting Jesus with our heart, it's saying I'm putting, I need to guard it but I guard it by putting it before Jesus all the time rather than ignoring my heart or hardening my heart. I'm going to leave my heart open before Jesus because I'm totally dependent on him to change my heart. I'm totally dependent on him to heal my heart. So the application of trusting Jesus was just praying an awful lot. Things like, search my heart, Psalm 139. Search my heart. Pray that 15 times a day and see if that doesn't affect your heart. Search my heart, God. Test it and then lead my heart. Uh, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Inviting him to do the work that only he can do. Not help me, God, so that I can fix my heart. It's create in me, God, a whole new heart, a fresh heart, a clean heart. So we're going to trust Jesus with our, trust Jesus with our, trust Jesus with our heart. And then we moved on to trusting Jesus with our sin. And we'll do a breaking motion. Do that with me. Snap. Because sin breaks everything. And trusting Jesus with our brokenness, with our sin, with times where we disobey God is, is key. 
trusting him looked like a couple of things. One, remembering that when it comes to the brokenness of us in our sin, Jesus loves when we come to him when we're broken. He's not shaking his head. He's not, oh, again. He loves when we come to him. And two, uh, with our brokenness, when we're broken by sin, that we should confess that his way is better. That when we agree with God about our brokenness, about our sin, that his way is better, I mean, that begins the healing and the restorative process. And then thirdly, with our brokenness of sin, trusting him looks like receiving as a gift God's mercy and God's grace and his love. How many of you thought since you sinned, since we did that weekend, how many of you remembered, I just sinned, hey, God has a gift for me to receive right now. Rather than condemnation, rather than beating yourself up, rather than ignoring it, stopping and receiving as a gift immediately, God's got a gift for me. I just sinned, and yet I've got a gift to receive from Jesus. So we're going to trust Jesus with our... 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 And then we moved on to trusting Jesus with our time, okay? Tap your wrist like you've got a watch that you don't have unless you have an Apple watch. Nobody else wears regular watches anymore. Okay, Steve Adame. Okay, so tap, tap that, okay? We're gonna trust Jesus with our time. Our, our time is a big one. Pastor Lana mentioned that, uh, now I've done two things. He hates when I call him pastor and he hates when I reference his message and I just did both in the same <laughs> sentence. Some guy talked about how our time is kind of like our money. We spend it. And we use that in the phrasing that we have. We, we spend our time. And so trusting Jesus with the time that he's given us, it's a tremendous resource. How do we trust Jesus with our time? One was we remember the season that we're in. Know what season you're in. We're not all in the same season of life. Some of you are single, some of you are married. Some of you have kids, some of you have kids that have already left the home. Some of you are in a tremendous season of grief or loss. Some of you are at the top of your game. Some of you are not. Depending on what season you're in is gonna differentiate how you want to spend your time. Some of you need to spend your time healing. Some of you need to spend your time giving now that you're restored and refreshed. You, you get what I'm saying, know your season. Two was trusting Jesus with our time looks like slowing down. Slow down. This is not the American way. God has given us the Sabbath as a weekly reminder that we don't have to be in control all the time, that we don't have to be busy constantly, that when we slow down, he's got a precious gift for us on a number of fronts. Trusting Jesus with our time looks like slowing down. And then lastly, trusting Jesus with our time looked like spending it wisely rather than spending it foolishly. Because we've all got tons of time, but I think we waste a lot of time. And so being intentional about where we spend our time will reflect how much we're trusting Jesus 
with it, to provide enough time for this, that, and the other thing, to know that the things that we are doing are what he had on our list for the day, not just what we had on our list for the day. So we're going to trust Jesus with our... Trust Jesus with our... Trust Jesus with our... Trust Jesus with our... And trust Jesus with our time. And then lastly, trust Jesus with our stuff. And for that, put all your stuff in a big backpack and then put the backpack on. Trust Jesus with our stuff. Do that. Trust Jesus with our stuff. Okay, I know it's stupid. But see, I want, I want almost like when you're, it's like Tuesday and you're going head, shoulders, knees, and toes, mind, heart, hands, and whatever. I can't remember now. But trust Jesus with our stuff. Trust Jesus with our stuff. Our stuff is our space, it's our finances, it's our things. And we were reminded that it's just really easy for us to put our trust in our possessions more than Jesus. There's something about it. Put our trust in our stuff more than Jesus for our comfort or for our identity or you name it. And so to trust Jesus with our stuff, a couple of things we got to be reminded of. One is we're just stewards of the stuff that we've been given. We're really not owners of it. And one of the things that helps us in trusting Jesus with our stuff is to be generous. Generosity is a huge key in trusting Jesus with our stuff because by our actions, it's saying, I want to give away what I've been given. Be generous. And then second, be grateful. When we're expressing gratitude for the gifts that we have been given, it means, hey, someone gave me this. It was a gift from God to me. Yeah, I might have played a part in working for it or whatnot, but ultimately everything I've got is because God blessed me with it. Thank you, God, for that. And it's kind of that scary question. What if God took away all the stuff in your life that you never thanked him for? Man, that re- he's not going to do that, thankfully. But my goodness, it starts to make, reframe what I'm thankful for, Right? And when I'm thankful, then that's just an act of trust. Okay, Lord, I know it came from you. So we're going to trust Jesus with our? 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 And trust Jesus with our? Yeah. Now there's a bunch of different areas and uh, more than that. Hopefully we can answer some questions that'll be helpful. Um, So if you got your questions, go ahead right now and just pass them to the center aisle. And somebody will snag them. Yeah, Nate. All right, pass them on down, and then we'll try to answer them as best as we as best as we can. Awesome. As uh, you're filling out, wrapping up, answering questions, even if uh, as we're doing this, you have more, feel free to walk them back to Nate, and he'll bring them up to us. Uh, One disclaimer, I'm some guy that's going to answer some questions, um, which is great. And I asked Nate, I'll I'll periodically do this, hey man, in between the the gatherings, anything you'd shift, anything we should do different? And he's like, yeah, Ron was talking and your face looked like Ron was really dumb. And I'm like, oh, that's probably not great. 
And there's two people that probably know me best in life at this point. That would be my wife, Chelsea, and probably Nate, or at least they spend the most amount of time with me. And better than anyone else, they've seen me just walk around the halls of my house or walk around here when no one's here. Half the time, I'm talking to myself. And my face has like all kinds of crazy expressions. It's a really scary place inside of my mind because there's all kinds of things going on at once. So if Ron's talking and my mind is figuring out an answer to a question you may have asked, I love Ron and think he's brilliant. It has nothing to do with that. My mind is just weird. So that's my disclaimer. And with that said, we're gonna hit the first question. And I'm gonna make some weird faces. My wife inherited the same traits as looking at me like I'm dumb. Okay, maybe. Yeah, so. well. And you're not even related. She got that. Um, okay, here's a good one to start, because if we don't get this right, then everything's off. Um, how do I trust the Lord to make my beard as magical as Landon's beard? Oh, that beard? actually got, got put in there. <laughs> It's the same guy that had the watch that wasn't an Apple watch. So <laughs> okay, I knew that. His was questions aren't valid. Dominic. Yeah. Um, okay. Here, here's a good. Here's a good question because this would affect all areas that we've addressed. Um, and I'm serious now. Sorry. Segue. <laughs> I'm just trying to smile. Yeah. This will. You'll stop smiling as soon as I read this question. So, how do we trust uh, while in pain? I will stop smiling. How do we trust Jesus while in pain? Yes, up there it says, trust Jesus always, no matter the moment. And I think trust, then, as is the case, or is the same with Jesus as it is with any other relationship, the more repetitions, reps, experiences you have with a person, you have a better idea of when they are trustworthy or when they are not trustworthy. Uh, and I think it's true that the harder the things are that you've been through with a person, the more you know what to expect and that you'll make it through those valleys and, and battles and low points. And I think that's the case with Jesus. I, I can think about my own life and some of the most painful, worst experiences, and I never want to go through those again. And I remember being just broken and beaten and not knowing how to, to wake up tomorrow or maybe even not wanting to wake up tomorrow. Yet I can sit here today and go, I am so thankful for that pain because he showed me he is faithful. That is never fun in the moment. I don't want to go back and do it again. But a relationship with Jesus is just the same as a relationship with anyone else. This book, actually, it's not a, a rule book or a bunch of laws or even about religion. It's a, and it's not about us. It's about how he's faithful in every moment. There's a whole lot of beautiful moments of celebration where Jesus is trustworthy in the scriptures. And there's a whole lot of just flat out broken, horrendous, awful moments in the scriptures where he's faithful and he provides and he leads us through. And every one of us will see the same in our lives. That doesn't make the pain easier. I don't want to downplay that, and I don't know what you're going through that's just brutal. But, I mean, we have it written here, broken stories becoming beautiful. That's just what Jesus is in the business of doing, and he's an expert. Uh, it's not in our timing necessarily or how we want it or when we want it, but he's faithful. And in the midst of that, it might be just going, I have one step. Or Jesus, I don't know how to take the next step, or I don't know what to do next, but I can promise he'll be faithful in the midst of that pain. Yeah, that's big, because that's, I just be careful not to equate pain in your life 
with the lack of presence of God. That's where the enemy's going to go first. And because you're experiencing pain, it must mean you're doing something wrong or uh, God's not there. If that's the case, then even Jesus got it wrong. He was referred to as a man of sorrows. I don't know why that's comforting to me, but it is. He knows sorrow. He knows pain. And what's more, in his humanity, he cried out right before the cross to the Father, Father, take this cup from me. And he's sweating blood at the thought of, you know, he, he wept over the loss of a friend and not because the friend was dead because he was going to bring the friend back to life but I think he wept because the people around him didn't understand what he was capable of and it hurt and so pain Jesus is well acquainted with it I would just say run to him more than away Um, what do we do when a person close to you maybe even a spouse, is having a crisis of faith? I think the beautiful news of the gospel is that we're called to be like Jesus. We're not called to be Jesus. We're called to put him on display and to, to love, to show, be a preview, like a, a trailer we often talk about for a movie. You can watch a, a movie trailer and be like, wow, that looks awful. I will definitely never see that. Or you can watch a movie preview and be like, I cannot wait to go see that movie. I'm buying tickets now. Well, the church is a preview for the coming reign of Jesus, what life will look like one day when he reigns on king at, or reigns on earth as king, which we, we sang about earlier, all hail King Jesus. Sometimes the church does an incredible job of that. And people see and go, wow, there's something really good and whole and right about Jesus. Oftentimes, and we've probably all experienced this, the church as a people has done a horrendous job of being a trailer or a preview of the coming reign of Jesus. And so if it's your spouse or or someone else that you're close to that is having a crisis of faith, I'd say pray for them, that God would reveal himself, uh, that the spirit would work. And then I I wouldn't worry too much because at the end of the day, it's not in your hands. And that's hard, but Jesus is trustworthy with the ones we love as well. That's good. Uh, this is a good one. Um, how do we help a teenager who is in active sin? You want to take That's that one? That's big. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good, maybe, questions or thoughts to process before we get to the actual answer. One is, is your teenager um, profess to be a follower of Jesus or not? Because if so, then um, to me, what we all need is Jesus, not just a behavior change. I need to be rescued. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. I don't just need to stop sinning. Does that make sense? Now, easier said than done. So for me, um, I would want to get that teenager or friend or adult, whoever, for that matter, to Jesus, uh, both in word and deed and action, modeling it, example, have gospel conversations, um, talk about hope in 
Jesus, all of that, more than just the sin issue. Now, there are opportunities for sure, because sometimes sin becomes its own great uh, testimony in their own life, just about how hurtful, uh, painful it can be. Um, Sin always separates. Um, If they get honest with themselves, there's probably a part where they feel disconnected from themselves because of their sin. Have a conversation about that. Um, Sin will separate you from other people. Uh, It'll separate you from your friends or your family. You can have a conversation about that. Do you feel closer like to them because of this sinful issue or is it making your relationships worse? Uh, Our relationship, is it making it worse or better? Or what about if you do have a relationship with God, do you feel closer when when you're sinning or worse? Or just have the conversation about it. Um, And then I think it's obviously important to be clear too about truthful. Um, Speaking the truth in love is what Jesus calls us to. And sometimes just saying, hey, where this is headed is going to be hurtful. Now, the, the part from there is you may have to unfortunately sit back and watch them make a whole bunch of poor choices because they're, they're going to have their own relationship here to work out. Talk about trusting Jesus. Trusting that Jesus loves your kid more than you do. Man, that's... And, and I mean, that puts it in perspective because the truth is you'd go, nobody loves my kid more than I do. And you might give yourself the little, except maybe God, and that, that's actually real. Like he really does. And so you get to the prodigal son, you know, as a parable, and the dad saw where the kid was at and went, okay, that's what you really want, then go for it. And I'll be here ready to wrap you up. Uh, when you come to your senses. So, As Ron finds the next question, too, one thing I would add is often when we talk about sin, we're thinking about like, well, let's show what is bad, what is wrong, what's not good, and, and, and convince somebody that that's not good. And I think what is actually more the way of Jesus and, and perhaps more powerful, not in all circumstances, but often is to go, what is good? Like the word gospel literally means good news, an announcement of what is good and whole and right and to delight in. God's whole plan for this world is what is good, not to save us from what is bad. It's for what is good. And so if somebody's struggling in sin, there's a really good chance it's because they're trusting something for good other than Jesus. There's a really good chance that they've not seen that Jesus actually offers good. And so somehow in their head or their heart or, or somewhere else, there's a calculation going, no, Jesus isn't actually good. Or the way I've seen Jesus or I've heard about the way of Jesus or it's been modeled isn't actually good. So I, I might uh, just process how, why are they choosing this, quote unquote, sin instead of a better alternative? And how do I show that there's actually a better alternative instead of just preaching down to exemplifying what is God's good and delightful and excellent plan in this area of life? Uh, this is a good one. Um, they've all been good. Uh, what and where in the Bible, um, what actions, I can't read this one in word here, but what actions um, basically do I do or follow on a daily basis to show my trust to God? 
And then it followed up with, what did Jesus say about action and trust? So what actions do I um, perform on a daily basis to show my trust to God? What did Jesus say about action and trust? So I don't, without knowing, I guess, the harder context of the question, the first thing that comes to mind is you have no need to show God that you trust him. So there's no exchange that needs to, to happen where you have to prove something. Uh, even if, if you're feeling that, I would argue that does not come from the spirit. That probably comes from Satan. Uh, with that said, I think this is why we use the word practice a lot. It is for me, not for God. I don't pray so that God is okay. I pray so that he can align my heart with his. Uh, I don't confess so that God's like, oh, good, I feel better now that I'm, like, we're not telling him anything he doesn't know. I pray so that he can align my heart with his and free me from my own sin. Uh, so some of the things we, we talked about would be generosity and, and gratitude. Those are going to be practices that just we start to trust. If you give enough to feel it, well, all of a sudden I'm trusting. That could be giving of your time. That could be giving of your stuff. Uh, confession and repentance, like an act showing you trust him would be, I'm going to take some time in reflection and then I'm going to repent. One of the most important things I'm convinced that we can do as a church is to, to get really good at repentance. Like if we want to change how the world views Jesus and his church, we don't need to prove that we're good. We just need to prove that we're aware of our bad and that we're repenting. That's what actually sets us apart. So maybe those are a few uh, things that, that stand out. Yeah, I think obviously James chapter two, so under, you underlined what did Jesus say about action and trust. We could certainly go through the gospels and I'd encourage you to. Um, at the same time, Jesus is the living word. John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so you could kind of substitute out the word word for Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus is part of the Trinity. He is very nature God. He's eternal. He's always existed. And there's something about him that is uh, so full in the scriptures. The, 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 the word of God became flesh, it goes on to say, and dwelt among us. And so um, what we've got here is really a ton of Jesus, not just the gospels itself, Old and New Testament. And um, James 2, classic, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And so it's not that we do stuff to earn our salvation, but out of the overflow of what he's done to me, the fruit that comes to bear in my life when Jesus is active in it is action. And so I think that's, that's part of it. Um, and I do believe that, that if I really trust him, it will bear itself out in my behavior. In Hebrews chapter three, it says, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. 
And I think that's kind of, there's a correlation. Like if I really don't believe that God's way is better or Jesus knows what he's up to, then I'm probably not going to trust him. And so sometimes it's like we were saying about worship. Sometimes I obey first and then watch him be trustworthy to what a life of obedience looks like. Sometimes I'm uh, kind of fumbling my way through and discover that um, he's given me grace even when I was sinful. And that grace, his kindness in that is what turns my heart back um, and makes me trust him more which makes me want to act on my faith more. So good question. That one deserves a whole series, I think. Get on that, Landon. Okay. Okay. Um, This is a good one. Maybe we wrap up with this. Um, Why does it seem that life just goes from one trying season to the next without rest? That's, um, while you're collecting your thoughts there, I, I feel that, like, I feel like I'm in that. I feel like the pain question relates. Like I don't, um, I'm highly empathetic. So that does it. Me too. <laughs> it's okay. I know you're lying. Um, <laughs> but, but some, sometimes the empathy, sometimes the, um, just when you've been through stuff, and a lot of it. Like, I don't really remember a time not hurting. And this last year plus has been like one after another, but then I start to go back and, you know, my mom and I were just talking a while ago like about stuff that's happening and one of us said, wait a minute, like 17 years isn't really a season, (laughs) you know? And we kind of laugh about it, but that's where a lot of you are at. Not, hopefully not all of you, but a lot of you, it's just, it's been one wave after another. Um, one, I don't know. I, I really don't. I hate it. I, I don't understand it. All I do know is in this world that's wrecked by sin, that shouldn't be surprising to me because it affects every aspect of life. Um, God's still working in it to do stuff in that that maybe I wouldn't be attentive to otherwise. I'm trying to learn the lesson, but I'm, I'm apparently not getting it. But I, I think that um, I really think that The, the part here about rest, one trying season to the next without rest. Because um, I, I feel that way now. But maybe, maybe it's me, the Lord just trying to say, I can give you rest even in the midst of the one circumstance after another. And that would be really foreign, you know, because I think I tend to equate rest with the absence of the struggle. And maybe he's saying, I got more for you than you can imagine because I got something for you here that, you know. And then I do think sometimes some of you are actually living for the Lord. And there's a spiritual battle that is trying to do anything. The enemy is trying to do anything he can to not have you follow him. 
And sometimes I think there's proportionate. The more that you're leaned in and trying to do what the Lord wants and tuned in, then the harder he's going to come after you. It's like playing basketball. And, and if all you ever do on the team is stand at the free throw line and stare at the cheerleaders, well, then you're no, you're no threat. But if every single time you've got the ball, you're slam dunking or making a three-pointer, then they're going to double and triple team you. And I think spiritually sometimes it can happen that way too. I'll let you please rescue me. Ooh. I'm going to start this season of coaching basketball off with that. It's so hard because I think that's the reality for, for many people. And I think the first answer is it's just not supposed to be this way. Sin is, again, not a bunch of rights and wrongs. Sin is a cancer of sorts, not just for individuals. So in our culture and in our context, we think about us and ourselves and my world and my life. Well, the biblical lens isn't one of an individual. It's of the whole world. It's of nations. It's of tribes. And so part of the issue with sin is going, the whole world has a cancer. And as a result, the whole world suffers at different times and to different degrees and in different ways. And one day, Jesus will fully cure the world. He already has the cure and that's going to happen and that's in his timing and and not ours. And that's hard, that's not fun. I wish the answer was that we could snap our finger and it would all be better today, but it's not. But in the the midst of that pain, I believe he is faithful and he's good. And and maybe it's, it's what you said, One of the greatest mistakes I've made in my life and probably continue to make is I am always looking for the next destination. I'm always trying to achieve the next thing. In our marriage even, we're like, hey, when we just get to this point, and then all of a sudden you like blink, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have four kids and all of this is going on. I need to enjoy the the journey and not just pursue the destination. And even in the midst of trials and tribulations and hardships, sometimes it's knowing rest is in who's driving. Rest is in the fact that Jesus will carry the load. And sometimes it goes back to Adam and Eve. Eve saw the fruit and that she could be like God, and so she reached for control. Well, trying to control everything all the time is absolutely exhausting. And so maybe what we have to just do is let go and let God go. I don't have all the answers, but I can trust that you do. It's not an easy answer, but... I, I literally, I don't ever bring this Bible here, and I brought it today, and then I didn't, I haven't opened up to my, you know, page where my name is on it in months, you know? And then there's, I wrote this here, I don't know when, or Lord knows, but must have heard it somewhere. If you ain't resting, you ain't trusting. It also says to Ron Merrill by Ron Merrill. I had to buy myself my own Bible, man. (laughs) But I would say that like, if you're not resting, you're not trusting. I think the inverse is true. If you're not trusting, you're probably not resting either. And why is that so hard? Like, because it's that relinquishing of control and um, even in pain, even in one wave after another, 
I think those most powerful words ever are just, I can't, I can't. And That's the whole gospel. Let he, let, let he can come to bear on me. And even if it's just he can get me through, you know, that's it. That's good. Well, I'm supposed to now walk us through Psalm 1, but I don't think we have time. So here's what I'm going to do. Do we have Psalm 1 as a slide? No, we do not. Okay, never mind. Well, actually, let's do this. Probably all of you have a phone or a Bible. The chances that you don't have a phone or a Bible are like 1%. So if you have a phone, type into Google or the Bible app or whatever, Psalm chapter one right now, I'm gonna give you a minute. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter one. And then I'm gonna have a stand in just a minute, not yet, but we're gonna just close our time by reading Psalm one together. As you're turning there, two super quick things that, that I think matter. One, it's going to read, depending on the translation, we'll be reading in the HCSB or Holman Christian Standard Bible, how happy is the man. That word happy is not talking about a shallow happiness because you have good things. It's talking about a a very deep, founded peace and contentment that can only come from knowing Jesus. It's talking about the, the type of contentment and peace and happiness that you can have in any moment, the hardest moments and the best moments, again, because of who is with you, and that's Jesus. The, the second thing that we'll read is, it'll read that the happier blessed man is like a tree planted besides streams of water. What, what's being described there is not a random natural stream of water, but an irrigation canal dug with the intention designed for bringing water to trees. So you can plant the tree in a place that gets no water, or maybe there was a puddle, and that could be gone next week or next year. Or you can plant the tree where it's designed to be planted by a stream of water and irrigation canal. Well, in our lives, it's the same. We can live our lives, walk the way Jesus has called us to as he's designed it, and it will go well. That doesn't mean it'll be easy. It doesn't mean you'll constantly be blessed with all the things you think you should have, but it means he will be with you and he will be trustworthy in every moment. Or you can follow the latest pursuits of the world, and that might be good for a season, and then it'll blow away like chaff, which we'll read here at the end. And then lastly, we'll read in verse six, for the Lord watches over the righteous. That word watches in the Hebrew is the same word as to know. He knows your thoughts, he knows your fears, he knows your insecurities, he knows your questions and doubts, he knows your sin, he knows your struggles, and he's with you. There's not gonna be a moment he's not with you. There's not gonna be a moment that the spirit won't be the comforter and the counselor. Not in our way, not in our timing, not when we want it, but he's there, he sees, he hears, and he knows. So with that said, if, if you wouldn't mind and you're able, I'd love to just stand and we'll just close this whole seven-week series by uh, expressing the truths of the psalm together. Psalm 1, verse 1, and feel free just to, to read along with me. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path of sinners, or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. 
Therefore, the wicked will not survive the judgment, and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. If you are a, uh, a follower of Jesus or even want to be, we invite you uh, now to the table on either side of me. We have the elements for communion where you can take the bread symbolizing the body of Jesus and the cup symbolizing his blood that he gave up for us, that the, the breath of life was taken from him as he gave it freely, but that he did not remain in the grave. He rose. And so when we take communion, we remember not just his death and his sacrifice, but that he rose again and that nothing, Paul says, not an army, not a spiritual power, not sin, not death, nothing can separate us from the love of King Jesus. And so every week we take communion to recognize that you are united with King Jesus. We come here together to gather as the church, and then we'll leave here in a minute as the church and go on our way and do the things in our our lives with our hearts and our minds and our time and our stuff and our sin in our hands. And King Jesus is with you. So during this next song, we invite you to come, take the elements, remember that you're never alone. Remember that the moment that Jesus is not trustworthy is a moment that does not exist. And as you take communion, know he's with you. Let's continue to worship in our response. much for listening. Once again, we are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. And again, my name is Nate Huss. I'm one of the team members here. So glad that you were able to join us. And uh, if this is your first time listening or you've been listening for a little while and um, are still doing the online thing, I just want to encourage you, go get plugged in. Um, Restoration may not be the church for you and that's okay, but I want to encourage you, go get plugged in with the local body. Is there a church in your area that you could trust and join and and be a part of the body of Christ. There's something that is really valuable and important about journeying together with other people who are on the journey of practicing the way of Jesus. And so um, whatever that looks like, if restoration is a a place that you could call home and you're in Prescott, Arizona, or in one of the quad cities in the area, we would love for you to join us. If not, I just really want to encourage you, um, go get plugged into a local body. It's really, really valuable. um, And I truly believe it is important for us on our journey of faith. And so um, again, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to restorationaz.org. And as always, remember, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.